Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome, welcome, dear listener, to another episode of the Guitar Nerds Podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Matt Knight. Hello, Mr. Joe. Hello, Mr. Matt. Hello, dear listener. Welcome back. Welcome. Episode number seven, season five, year 11, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> year, <laughs> 11. year 11. Wow. Year 11. Year 11. I'm, I'm glad uh, I don't have to go back to year 11. Me too. No more uh, you, high school for me. Well, Matt, I tell you what, on a topical topical there, I'm uh, because I'm turning 40 this year, it means everyone I went to school with is also turning 40, which means out of the woodwork come a load of people that I haven't spoken to since I was <laughs> 12 years old, 16 years old. Remember that, you know, I, I left my hometown as soon as I could. And, uh, Hometown and of Watford, baby. Oh, Watford. It's one of the worst places on the planet. <laughs> it really is. Um, I have just no no interest in uh, in any of uh, any of my my youthful escapades. Every life for me started when I moved to Brighton. So uh, life yeah. begins at Brighton, exactly, and ends exactly. at forty. Yeah. Also, check this out, dear listener. I've got a vintage mug if you're watching on YouTube. If not, it's a very vintage Guitar Nerds mug with the original logo that uh, that Mark Packham designed all those years. Or I think he got someone, paid yeah, someone he, to design. I got someone to design it. Was it you? It was. Oh, wow. It's and then you destroyed it. Hmm. Crapped on my dreams, Joe. Of being Sorry, a- I did change the logo. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. That's um, rather good. But yeah, here we are. We're also on a new platform, which is totally irrelevant to the people who, the hardcore listeners of the world. Absolutely makes no difference to you, dear listener, but we, because Matt lives in the east of England and I live in the south of England, uh, we obviously don't podcast in the same room. We use a platform that uh, records all our stuff locally and then gives me the files to put together afterwards. And I've moved to a new provider uh, on the recommendation of a few people, Blake White. Island, um, Philip Carter, uh, Johnny Dibble um, from the In the Pocket, the Bass Podcast. They're all using Riverside, uh, so I've I've moved across just to just to see how it goes. So uh, let me know if this podcast is substantially worse than. Uh, let me than know it was if my before. beard looks better. 
uh, or worse. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Or if the audio quality is... Uh, oh, is yeah, of course. More. The all-important audio quality. Yeah, sure, sure. Exactly, sure. exactly. But, uh, yes, dear listener, this episode is called um, uh, Downsizing Your Guitar Rig. It's kind of partly inspired by some of the discussion that was happening on the Facebook group, the Guitar Nets group on Facebook, after last week when I was talking about, you know, I've started my big sell-off. And actually, I haven't got any further on it. I listed, like, three <laughs> things, and I still... I haven't had the time. You still own three things. (laughs) (laughs) I was a little under the weather last week, and I just, you know, instead of listing things, I played a lot of Red Dead Redemption 2, which I regret. But I I fully (sighs) intend to get back on it and actually list everything. But... um, but yeah, because I'd been talking about that, people started talking about the concept of downsizing um, and, you know, what instruments they'd keep, what what is an essential to a rig, what you actually need. People are looking at reducing their collections all over the shop. It's tough, so. isn't it? It's, it? I think it's, uh, as we'll get into in a bit, as it's not only tough to get things like you actually need, but it's just sometimes getting rid of things that you're not using, but you just... You just you just want to have them around. You never yeah. know. It's the it's the unknown. It's getting rid of the unknown. I always find difficult. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But I think uh, as we're going to talk about um, a little bit later when we come onto it in more detail, I think there are things you buy because they're fun, and I think there are things that you buy because they're they're essentials. And uh, and you know, when push comes to shove, some things people would keep, some things people would mm. happily move on. But uh, but we'll get onto that uh, a little bit later. How have you been, Matt? How uh, how's the gear world? You you know you're you're uh, you're finally getting all your stuff out in your new oh. house. Your your big pedal boards come out and about. <laughs> it has. I uh, finally getting there. Finally settled in the studio. Uh, for people watching, you can just see a blue room. This is not the final room. It's so the room, blue. They the room will. I was trying to do you know the fancy you know YouTuber <laughs> Twitch streamer thing. I'll have a nice blue light. Maybe yeah. I'll change it to a different colour. Uh, but it's slowly getting there. The gear is slowly... Um, I've, You know, you talk about selling stuff off. I'm sort of in the same process, really, of going, what What do I want to put... What do I want to put on display? Because there's things that are like, I'm probably never going to plug into, but I want to have right. on display. But then there's also things like, they're going to be on a pedal board. And then there's things I'm just like, I might as well sell this and buy something else or put the money into something else pedals kind of easier guitars very difficult because i think for me maybe differently to you joe i've got many guitars that probably don't hold much value you tend to buy a guitar when you really want one you every guitar you own is like a a thing uh you know a a thing every guitar you own you've bought for a reason because it performs a specific role that you want it to or it's something that you've lusted after for a long time you tend to be very selective with guitars whereas i'm like oh look at this deal on reverb and yeah uh, yeah it's uh, it's that thing. Did we talk last week about um, vintage? My old vintage telly. Did we talk about that last week? I can't uh, uh, no, we were talking about that in the in our chat with the with the OG um, guitar nerds, Mark and uh, that was Mark right. and Jay. We were that talking right. about your uh, your old uh, seventy two. So I had a Telecaster. Yeah, I had a seventy two telly standard. So basically, just a normal telly in blonde. Right. Uh, was, that a bit, was that rosewood or maple? It was Matt. rosewood. Rosewood, I think. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, 
So it's I, kind of like a 60s style telly. Yeah, I, I think I, I bought it because I was... I think we've talked about this story many times, but sold the Esquire that I really loved to buy the 72 telly because I wanted to own a vintage instrument. Right. And then I sold it and traded it for, I think, a custom shop because I actually generally didn't like the guitar at all. No. But I didn't want to change anything because I was like, it's all, it was all original, like one it's the owner. Problem. It's the problem. If you, if you don't have, if you buy a vintage guitar, if it's not great off the bat, you can't change anything. Yeah. And um I I think I sold it for I don't know, somewhere between fifteen hundred and two grand. I can't remember the specific amount. Ooh. Oh right, of course. So this was what, twenty sixteen? This was twenty before that. I mean I was still at GAC at that point. So this probably would have been twenty 14, 2013. Right. Which is 10. definitely before people started to consider 70s guitars as like a proper vintage. Hey, I mean, I, I think what changed it was when Fender started doing 70s custom shops. Because yes. when they started doing 70s custom shops, it was so weird because they were like, here's our 70s, uh, you know, precision base. It's £3,800. And it was like, I can get a 70s precision base for 1500 quid. Yeah. And then, of course, past that point, the price of seven real 70s stuff shot up to match the, yes. the custom shops. Yes. So effectively um, sold it, traded it. And thought, oh, you know, whatever. And as you say, the market has very much changed. Yeah. And there is a, what I would consider a fairly beaten up example of a well, well-worn, well-relicked 72 standard telly right. up for seven grand. Seven grand! I just, that, you know... It's got to have, surely, that, that, that comes with some... Um some sort of legacy. Someone famous played it. I really don't think it does. I think it's literally just (laughs) that, you know, I guess it's got to the point where, you know, an original telly is going to set you back, like a 60 telly is going to set you back or 50 telly is just going to be crazy money. Yeah. So obviously it's inevitably moved on to the next thing and the next thing. And yeah, on the 70s and lo and behold, um, they're worth crazy money. Yeah. And I and I guess the thing is, the argument is, if I'd have kept it because I loved it, would I be so bothered about the fact that it costs you could I could sell it for seven grand now? Because if I'd have owned it for ten years, played it for ten years, would I be going, Oh, I love this guitar so much. Dare I sell it for seven grand? Or do I only really feel that way? Because I was like, oh, if I'd have just like kept it. I could have had a guitar that I don't really use that's worth seven grand. Do you know what I mean? It hurts more, I think, because I don't own it and I didn't <laughs> like it than, um, than you know, sort of having a guitar for all that time and loving it and then being like, oh, now I don't have it anymore, if you know what I mean. So would you buy vintage again? Um, would I buy vintage again? Yeah. I would not. I no. don't think I would ever specifically be in the market to buy one. Right. Because I don't think there's anything out there I could afford. 
of things that were, you know, everyone would be love to own like a 60 strat yeah. or whatever. But then again, I think you could hunt around for ages, maybe not find something, could cost loads of money. And I just think investing that much money, you you gotta you just gotta love it so much. You've got to love it so much. And I just don't... I, I think I'd much rather find a new guitar that I really liked that I kind of could invest in and spend some time with and then maybe go, oh, you know, I've sort of had enough of that. I'll move on to something else where, I don't know, six, just like, yeah, trying to buy a 59p base and it's just going to be like... It's going to be so much money yeah. that you're just <laughs> like, would, where, would I even start looking? So, you know, vi- afforded affordable vintage to us is... Um, I just think it it puts guitar it puts certain guitars that you're probably not even going to look at realistically. Uh, um, it depends on your taste, doesn't it? I mean, like I love looking around at old harmonies, famous guitars, um, Hofner. Like some Hofners still go for like really decent money, even the even mm. the really old ones. You know, it's just you can't go for the you know the big the big two. Yeah, that, yeah that, or I mean Gretsch. that's yeah or, or Gretsch. Um, but yeah, um, so that was that. Hmm. Long way around, so I think we went on a bit of a tangent there. But yeah, finally getting the studio out. Yes. And uh, this weekend, I also went to Synth East. Synth East! Norwich's first ever modular synth festival. (laughs) Um, And I tell you what, the modular synth world is absolutely beyond bonkers. They're, They're doing stuff that you're just like, how has the guitar world not grabbed hold of some of this stuff and just made it a thing. And and I think the thing is, it's like, you know, Eurorack or, you know, modular synthesis is effectively you're building a synthesizer out of various modules, various individual things that you plug together in different ways. Right. So it's sort of the same as building a pedal board, you know, but with a modular synth, you're starting with a sound source and you're running it through a filter and then you're maybe running it through a delay and you're running it through, you know, a chorus and then you're going out into a set of speakers. So the same is sort of what you're doing with a guitar. But when you get into the, like, the effect section or things like that, there's just stuff out there that you're like, if this was a guitar pedal, people would just be going insane. You know, it's I, there was a module there, I can't remember the name of the brand, and they've basically... They're building Game Boy cartridges, like modern day Game Boy cartridges that like plug into a module and give you like different effects. And I think the thing that came closest was was it Cooper Effects had the like cards that you could plug in. I think it was called the arcades, and you could plug different cards in. But that sort of modular approach has always been really difficult from a guitar perspective. Oh, I don't know. People have done it. Look at Jackson Audio's Fuzz. Yeah, yeah. I just think. It's just never as quick to swap in and oh, I see what you're saying. In and yeah, out, yeah. If you, you know still what go I mean. On and bolt the back, and you're actually handing a proper chip. Yeah. like it's not like they've put it in a nice, you know, SNES. Yeah, cartridge. but I, it's just the thing is, I think there's just there's a quirkiness to a lot of modules. Right, there's an inventiveness to a lot of modules that I start to see is maybe happening a bit in the guitar world. You know, if you look at um, obviously Chase Bliss, if you look at uh, Game Changer, although the Game Changer module modding thing we talked about but it's sort of mainly still based on the pitch and dynamics of your guitar playing rather than being truly modular we talked a little bit i think before about the moog pedals being modular yeah so i think people have kind of like tried it 
but they're still rooted in the same sort of effects. I guess Ranger Effects is maybe another one of those brands. What did they? But it would. Oh, just well, the, I mean, just that they're crazy. Yeah, just as they're crazy. They do those. The, um, the Igor, which is the little, uh, yeah, um, the little light sensitive expression pad. But um, it sort of just got me thinking. There's so much more that you can do with modular uh, in like a sound world. Uh-huh. And actually, it is totally possible to interface guitar with modular gear. Well, they're two, it they're two very rig. different. They're two very different levels. Mm-hmm. There was a company they discontinued it, unfortunately, called Pittsburgh Modular, that ba- made a pedal board that also allowed you to plug a guitar in and run it through modules. Right, because the good. the levels are very different but i think from a guitar sound design perspective going guitar into modules you can come up with some wildly unique different sounds i mean strymon make a big module that is basically their tape echo module and then you think you can like from outside sources you can control the pitch or the rate or the speed or different things like that yeah um i guess the only thing that kind of maybe fits in that world in one box is Meris. Oh. You know, and things like the LVX. The LVX, or the, the Mercury or the, Oh, uh, I spoke know. to Meris this week, actually. They, oh, they, yeah. they, they reached out after hearing one of our demos on the, on, on YouTube, oh, uh, on the amazing. podcast. Um, and they're going to send us a, a Mercury X. So that'll, uh, oh, that'll, amazing. Be, that'll be here soon. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think there's definitely companies, guitar companies being a, a lot more inventive, but I think there's a lot of companies that are still rooted in the same thing you know there's still a big market for fuzz and fuzz sure. has seven components sure sure but i just but there's um, been a move towards stereo rigs definitely over the last little while like the normalization of i appreciate stereo rigs have been around a long long time but the normalization of it i think you know people like mm. rabia just using it as standard kind of brought that into the limelight a bit more and then you get products like you know the ir2 the lvx the mercury x the kma mm. machines Endgame, which which is whole thing is that it's a stereo cab sim um, at the end of your chain. It does. People are sort of going, well, you can do this. It's not that hard. Certainly with the move towards digital amplification and running things straight into front of house. So you're not having to bring, you know, a, a, a mm. massive, amp- uh, you know, a pair of amplifiers along and making mm. people go, oh, so stereo absolutely sounds better and it gives me loads more options. Why don't yeah. we do that? Yes, although I have run into an issue with that, Joe. Right. Um, whereas I've I've got my sort of monster pedal board out uh-huh. and I've plugged it in, but in my small box room, <laughs> I only really have space for <laughs> one amp. It's just, you know, it's a tragedy. When uh, when um, are you going to be moving into your, uh, your big in office? The su- in the summer, hopefully, right. um, because... Uh, Zilla are, uh, are sending me another matching 1x12. So I'm going to have three 1x12s. <laughs> wow. uh, and I've got three amp heads. So, wow. you know, it'll be a three amp rig before long. My, uh, my Zilla cabs are on the chop, actually, for my big sell-off. I've got uh, two basket we fronted pink um, 112s. They're part of the mini stack. So one of them is angled and one of them straight. Very good little um, very good. setup that. Yeah. But I know that you don't really use guitar cabs as much. Uh, no, I don't use them at all. Um, guitar Nerds is sponsored by Stringjoy Guitar Strings, the world's first true guitar string custom shop. 
The thing that I love most about Stringjoy is just their attention to detail, their dedication to making their strings the best in the world. And that's a, a labour-intensive task that they don't shy away from. Stringjoy are also innovative. They're always looking for new ways to make strings better. As guitar players, we've become so used to all the shortfalls of commercially available strings that we stopped even looking for them to be better, last longer, intonate well, easily. Stringjoy bring all of that to every pack of strings they make, and they're available almost as readily as any other generically made guitar string. Stringjoy strings are available at stringjoy.com and at 400 plus dealers across the globe. If your local store doesn't stock Stringjoy yet, ask them to. But I've come into a problem where in the before I moved, I had two amps set up run everything dialed everything in stereo hadn't really thought about it i was like oh you know it's set up in stereo so the sounds on like the microcosm are you know big and expansive and the cxm 78 i'll run it in mono it'll be no problem and every time i've plugged it in i'm like why does it sound so (laughs) bad and um i swapped the cables around and went to the other output and i was like oh it's like I've really not set this board like the output box that I've got really doesn't it doesn't sum to stereo to mono and a friend of mine came around uh, at the weekend and he was showing me his pedal board and uh, at the end of it he runs the Walrus Audio Canvas stereo line isolator so it allows you to run your pedal board in stereo and then out in stereo, or you hit a little button and it per- perfectly sums stereo to mono. Oh, what a and it's gorgeously got two- helpful device. And it's got um, stereo XLRs on it, oh, which is ooh. quite cool. So you can have it as DI or, um, I think it's DI or line-in, maybe. Nice. Um, so I thought that's that's quite a cool little box. I thought I'll invest in that, or I'll just build a smaller pedal board. How, how much is one of those little canvas summing boxes 200 quid i think Um, a chunk of money for something that doesn't do anything audibly i appreciate it's a really useful tool and it's definitely worth getting i'm just like damn (laughs) i think it's probably really useful for someone so his rig was uh for this tour that he was doing was tonex Uh guitar into tonex and then in the effects loop no guitar into eventide h90 into Tonex into the other half of the H90. Right. So he had things either side and then out into this and then it gave him DI outs, XLR out straight to front of desk. So it's quite handy for that if you're running maybe an amp sim or something on your pedal board that doesn't have XLR outs. Definitely. And you've got, you might want to go stereo, you might want to go mono because they make a mono version as well, which I think is 130 quid. Right. Um, and I think it's just quite good for being able to run line out from something like an IR2, which doesn't have XLR outs, for example. Yeah. Um, or you want to go line level into um, a mixing desk, maybe. Or, yeah, you're going to use it in a gigging situation. I guess it's not relying on the venue having some sort of DI box that you might be able to plug into and still being able to run a stereo rig yeah i mean one on the walrus website i think one of the examples they're showing is a guitar into a tu3 into this and then xlr out into a pa because i don't think there's any amp modeling in here no if you're running a low impedance amp simulator by simply flipping the di slash li switch superb sidekick for amp in a box gear such as the walrus audio acs1 
It's a great addition to any pedal board. I've so. got a Wall Studio ACS one. I need to get it out and actually learn what it does. Of, uh... <laughs> it makes amp sounds. Yeah. <laughs> it makes amp sounds. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I need to start building out, putting a pedal board together for mono okay. while I'm in the current room. But at the same time, I'm like, no, oh, maybe I'll just build a modular pedal board. <laughs> um, well, maybe uh, fall down that rabbit maybe hole. Maybe when we come on to the main subject of this podcast, downsizing, um, maybe we can talk about what, what would go on a mono rig. Um, for you Let's do it. pedal board before we move on to the main subject I do want to do our sound sample of the week which kind of tied into a bit of news which was then made absolutely redundant um, at the end of last week on Friday um, Great Eastern Effects Co um, great great friends of mine they uh, released a limited edition pedal the, the small speaker overdrive one of my favourite um, little drive pedals. The small speaker overdrive, they just sold 500 units, so they made 10 um, very unique units with a different faceplate, a stainless steel faceplate instead of an aluminium one with a different graphic on the front. And they made just 10. They were the same price as the standard one, uh, which is about 200 quid, and uh, and put them up on their site. And they let me know, and I was like, brilliant, I'll record, you know, the sound sample with the small speaker overdrive that I have, just to show what it sounds like on a podcast, and I can talk about, you know, it encouraged people to get this really cool, very rare thing, because it only went up on Friday, sold out on Saturday, <laughs> got rid of, yeah. I mean, I know it's only 10, so it's, but, but it be was quick. like, yeah, people were straight in there with it, so, uh, so yeah, so but I'm still going to do the sound sample of the small speaker overdrive. And dear listeners, if you didn't pick one up, you uh, you missed out. Um, uh, so yes, yeah, so um, let's uh, let's have a listen to that. So for this sound sample, because I'm showing, so the small speaker overdrive by Great Eastern Effects Co is. Uh, is like a it's supposed to emulate that that sort of fender champ sound so it's that really boxy um driven small amp recording tone it's that sort of thing so like really mid push but a lovely amount of transparency to it and i just think there's so much detail and texture to this pedal mm. so rather than like working it in a track with maybe bass and drums i haven't i've i've just recorded three guitars one left, one right, and one doing a lead thing, and I've put a little bit of reverb on the on them all, um, and and that's it. So it's mostly just trying to show off this pedal. All of the guitar work was done on my Fender American Original Fifty Two Telecaster on the bridge pickup, which is a Green Pickups Fifty One style, super low output, very thin, lovely sounding single coil. Um, this is the track. Let's see what you think.
you go. The uh, sloppy ending there, but uh, <laughs> but there it was. There it was. Um, uh, tell me, Matt. Obviously, the listeners got this that in stereo because I always uh, overlay the track. Did that? Did that come to you, some to mono? It it came to me quietly in I think one. Ear. <laughs> <laughs> we none of the platforms can actually do. It. I mean, it sounded great to me. It played the whole thing stereo, which I didn't get on the previous platform. It always summed to mono, and I was always like, "Oh god, I, I can't." I can tell it was a very Joe Branton demo, and I like <laughs> yeah, that. Thanks. Good. I like your style. I like your vibe. Yeah, there you go. Um, but a cool pedal. We've we've obviously checked out before, and some cool stuff coming from Great Eastern brand, sort of pinged out of nowhere and sort of found favour with many great players so um, yeah long may it continue yes yes they are a fantastic brand really excited they've got some new stuff uh, on the way actually very soon so I'm excited about um, about that in fact did I leave it on my shelf oh I'll put my head there <laughs> that's fine it's fine <laughs> oh no we're gonna have to start no, again no no it's uh, totally fine it's totally fine it's it's just a prototype good, good. um good. so uh, anyway so that was yeah the small speaker overdrive dear listener you should absolutely um check out the small speaker overdrive by great eastern effects co even though you can't get the limited edition model now unless they're up on reverb for twice the price already maybe they will be who knows could be, you know, we're, we live in that kind of world, yeah, yeah, exactly. don't we, Joe? Where things just, yeah, those limited edition things just go for crazy money. Reverb prices, uh, reverb prices, reverb prices. Okay, um, but yeah, there we go. Cool. Well, let's nice little demo. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. It is, uh, yeah, great pedal. Let's talk about downsizing our guitar rigs, then, Matt. So, what happened was I asked people on the Facebook group in the in the sort of name of downsizing, what things people would downsize to, as in, like, if you had to limit your guitar collection to maybe one. What would you keep? And I wanted it to be a personal thing. I'll read what I wrote on the post on the Guitarist group on Facebook, dear listener. Um, I said, with all this talk of downsizing, what one guitar would you keep from your collection? It doesn't have to be the most versatile or the most expensive, just the one that you love the most. Um, that was the deal. So I got people to suggest their options. Now, I filled in the first few options, which were the standards. So just, you know, because we're just going to have a million options if, if I let people put specifics. So I just meant like Telecaster, Strat, Les Paul, SG, S335, Jazzmaster, Jaguar, Mustang. But I let people add options as well. And we got some really interesting additions as well that, of course, mostly only got one or two votes because they tended to be a bit specific. Um, but uh, but yeah, they, they, were, they were good to add. Now, um, Matt, as someone who's not on social media, how do you how do you think this played out before you know any of the results? So, so I'm clear they could only pick a specific model. They can only pick of one. Don't yeah, they can only pick one. So their options are Telecaster, Stratocaster, Les Paul, SG, Years, Three Three Five, Jazzmaster, Jaguar, Mustang. But of course, people could also add their own additionals, and it's possible, Matt. For example, that someone would add, I don't know. Um, uh, base six, and that everyone would vote for base six, and so that would win. Knowing so it could our be audience, anything. Knowing our audience, yeah. that could well be a possibility. <laughs> 
Guitar Nerds is sponsored by Isotope and Native Instruments, two companies who provide the bulk of the recording and editing tools used by Guitar Nerds. If you have a home studio or if you're thinking about getting into demo recording from home, then Isotope and Native Instruments provide the tools that you need to make premium quality recordings with ease and with virtually no equipment other than your guitar and laptop. Isotope make all the voice editing and audio repair tools that I use for the podcast each week and Native Instruments Guitar Rig 7 is one of the best, most comprehensive collections of virtual effects and guitar amplifiers available anywhere. Use discount code NERDS10 on any product in the Isotope and Native Instruments catalogue for 10% off their fantastic range of tools. I think that's such a difficult question. If you were downsizing your rig, you could only have one of them because yeah. some of them are quite specific. Yeah, but it, but it, 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 uh, it's just personal taste because I said don't pick, don't just pick the most versatile guitar. Don't pick something because you, you know, don't be like, oh, I don't know, uh, a Charvel D, DK24 because you, you can do everything and coil split. You know, it's, it's not about that. Mm. It's about personal taste. So this isn't about trends or mm. versatility. This is about what? Our audience feel our guitar up? nerds what they feel. What do you think? I kind of feel that it's going to end up in something offset, right? Maybe that's crazy. well. I mean, it's I not know. not really that crazy, Matt. If you think about the uh, um, the guitar that we designed with Vintage, which oh dear listener, if you're not on the Guitar Nerds Facebook group, I did mention it on there the other week, but I have now seen the Vintage um, guitar that we all co-designed. Uh, last year um, and I'm picking it up at the Birmingham Guitar Show at the end of the week and it looks well good um, but don't forget Matt of course they um, can't believe that was last year that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, doesn't feel like that long ago yeah, yeah, was, we started building it six months ago I made the deal with them wow. in March of last year to to wow. do that build oh man oh man <laughs> um, um, yeah yeah, I, yeah. I think maybe some sort of offset right. might have might have creeped in there. I reckon Gibson might have been fairly low, right? Based on our audience, perhaps. But um, I don't know, Joe. Put me out of my put me out of my misery. Okay. Well, I tell you what. When I was keeping an eye on this to start with, Telecaster was what got my vote, and it stormed ahead at the start. Jazzmaster was hot on its heels, and I thought maybe the Jazzmaster would have it. But actually, as it's finished up, the Jazzmaster is the fourth most popular shape and the only offset to be in there. Shockingly, Les Paul. Les Paul's came in third. That's right. much higher than, uh, you know, as you point out, like a, there's a relative amount of Gibson bashing that goes on on the Guitar Nerds group. And, um, mm. and you know, so there's that. I thought the winner would be um, the Stratocaster, if you consider reverb sales over the last few years. The best-selling guitars yeah, yeah, have yeah. been Strats and PRS Silver Skies for the last few years running. So I thought it would be that. And it came in a tight second, but the Telecaster did pip it with 26% of the vote as we're podcasting 21% of the vote going to the Stratocaster 18 to the Les Paul 10 to the Jazzmaster um, and then I guess ES335 is the next one with 7% I think yeah looks right. that way but and there you go so the the Telecaster is the guitar that people would keep hold of the most which I can see that but it's, it's funny isn't it the guitar that was basically invented first <laughs> is still the most popular. 
I mean, I know people will be like, oh, no, you know, other guitars came before it. It's like, yes, I'm aware of that. Um, but I don't know, Telly, it's almost that case of that sort of had everything. I mean, I would probably... Would I have a Tele over a Strat if I could only have one? You've only got one Telecaster and you've got, what, three, four Strats? I know, but I I think I'd rather have the Tele. Really? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I'd rather just have my uh, my Music Man. Although, say, which, you know, saying that, be like, the guitar behind me is a... Uh, the guitar behind me is a, uh, is a Strat. So, oh, there you, you know, go. What, what, what Strat have you got behind you at the moment? I was going to say Johnny Marr, but that doesn't make any sense. Does <laughs> oh, it's your... Um, uh, Ed O'Brien. I forget you own that one. Ed O'Brien. Yeah, I mean, I forgot I owned a lot of guitars when I moved house, and then was like, oh, yeah, there's been in cases for ages. Yeah. Um, yeah, telly, it's a good shout. I mean, it just does everything right, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. It really does. Yeah, I mean, um, I said to not pick Versatile because that's not what it's about, but it is a good all-rounder. But also I just think maybe it's the sort of guitar that, you know, people get attached to um, over other instruments. Mm. We did have some great other suggestions, though. Um, uh, you know, th- things like the, the Charvel DK24 did come up as a suggestion. Um, yeah, I mean, I owned one of those. Great guitars. Yeah, like uh, Ben Caffrey very guitar. simply suggested Super Strat, you know, like Buckers, Floyd Rose, etc., which was a good way to keep that general because otherwise there are so many different ver- versions of that. People are going to vote for all sorts of different yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Basics only really received one vote. Um, nice to see the Yamaha Revstar making an appearance there um, as well. Pit. Good, yeah. Good PRS didn't really. A couple of options there. The PRS Custom Twenty Two received a couple of votes, um, and uh, um, and the Strandberg Bowden also did appear with a couple of votes. Um, so, um, if you had to keep one guitar out of everything you've got, then Joe, the big sell-off. What? What would you? What would I keep? What? What one thing would what I would keep? You keep. Um, mm. I uh, I think if I had to get rid of absolutely everything, I would keep the uh, this what I'm holding in my hands, dear listener. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, it's a Grez Mendocino, one of their redwood Grez Mendocinos with um, Lola uh, gold foils. Um, just because it has a super chunky, the neck is so chunky, it makes my Telecaster feel flimsy. My sort of fifty-two Tele feel flimsy. Mm. Mm. And it's just really good. It doesn't. It's not a do everything guitar. But then I think I didn't get the Telecaster because I love. Te- I do love tellies and I love butterscotch tellies. Don't get me wrong. I got the Telecaster because an awful lot of my job is making little demo tracks, and a Telecaster is works with everything. You know, there's nothing that yes. I plug it into that it doesn't sound yes, great. Yeah. The Grez, there are there are going to be stuff that, like, I can't, you know, if I get sent an HM2-style pedal, Grez probably isn't the answer for that. But a tele- mm. I, I appreciate a Telecaster isn't either, but I bet I could make a Tele work in that scenario. Um, I just yeah. find them to be just great. Great sounding without much effort. The Grez needs a particular set of things with it but that's totally fine i just love the guitar it was about personal connection to the instruments and i just think it's a, an amazing mm. instrument i think that is a big thing with with tellies like you say they don't need a lot of they, they don't they don't need a lot of um mucking around with 
No, it's you know the 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 telly set up with tens. You know, and most normally I set everything up with twelves. The Grez is set up with twelves, but because I use the telly not really for making my own music, the telly is set up with tens. And when I come to demo, you know, a pedal, I have a uh, a Studio One session set up that gives me a neural DSP Tone King amplifier set it's like a little preset that i've made where which is sort of Mm. lightly driven like just lightly driven with a bit of reverb on it and that's it and i can just pick up the telecaster have that plug in and plug the pedal into it and generally speaking without much twiddling it's good to go you know yeah 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 i think i mean i do love my baja telly i really do um i mean Ultimately, if I had to keep one guitar, I would keep the Music Man. Yeah. I still think, I, and we've said it a million times before, guitar, they, make the best, they make the best guitars. Yeah, ever. they do. Well, you, nah, rip, you could rip all that out, though. <laughs> Are you, you going to? Are you going to rip it all out? Mm, oh, well, actually, some of it doesn't work at the moment. I don't actually know how to cool. fix it. Um, so maybe, maybe I will rip it out. I mean, that's the thing. You could just remove the whole circuit board and put it in yeah. i guess i don't know actually because there's no wires anywhere need to inquire i'll have to inquire with our, our friend rabia be like can you help us out <laughs> <laughs> can i have a rabia signature for nothing please that well you had his, you've got his Cheers. last signature model haven't you i have well i've got yeah it's his chapman but um yeah yeah i'd i'd, I'd keep the music man but uh I think everyone who listens to this podcast for any sort of time knows that that would probably yeah, be the case. Yeah. So let's talk about you downsizing a pedal board then. If you're not going to have the motherboard, you're not going to have this huge thing um, that, that runs stereo into a couple of amps, just something that's simple to knock around. What pedals do you view as being... Would you, would you have a switcher still for a small board? Because, of course, I have a small pedal board and I still use a switcher. Hmm. Hmm. This is the interesting thing, isn't it? Because a switcher, you know, doesn't have to be some sort of mega eight loop, two dual stereo thing. It can just be, I want to turn two or three pedals on at the same time. Sure, you could just get one of those little strips to go down the front. I I almost bought one actually off of Amazon uh, recently. There was like some, it was was 99 quid. I think it was a Hotone one. Um, But, you know, just a little simple strip that you can run right at the front of a little pedal board and plug everything else into. Kind of like that idea. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I think in all honesty, I'm thinking maybe I sh- I think one of the things is for the longest time until I set this up the other week, I was basically had nothing. Right. Uh, and I was kind of just enjoying plugging the guitar in uh, and using like Wazarez, you know, to 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 play with and and just kind of going with the drive sound. But you know, there's an element of like, oh well, I love what the microcosm does. How can I get that in a smaller box, for example? Can I port the whole pedal in help pedal board to a mini thing? But I'm so used to using MIDI and accessing presets, and I'm like, am I really gonna? I think one fork out the money. I've had some great switches. Disaster Area Designs make some great switches that are MIDI capable that have small loops in them. I think we talked about them before, Joe, for a small yeah. pedal board. You know, could you could argue MS three, uh, for example, with with three loops. But I think I actually want to move away from all that and basically have a pedal train, yeah, junior, yeah. and then just a few things on and drop a few things in in and out. Um, you know, one delay, one fuzz, one modulation, a boost, uh, and and go from there. I think, and just step away from the kind of all of the funny modular right. stuff, all the funny noise boxes, because ultimately, it sort of makes you play. I built the board to do certain things, and it makes me play yeah. in a certain way. And maybe I want to put a pedal board together that ultimately sort of forced you to do something different and i've got some great we've got some great pedals that like fuzz pedals and stuff that i wouldn't necessarily put on the board they're very specific they kind of need to see a guitar signal uh-huh. at the front um so i'm going how can i bring everything down into four do you, pedals, do you think you go for maybe? like classic things you're gonna go like high quality classic style effects or are you gonna want some all singing or dancing more modern There's things the- in there does the Dan Electro French toast count as a uh, as a what, classic? What, what was the French toast? The French toast is the octave fuzz. Oh. Um, maybe I'll just do a, I'll just do a food series and I'll just have yeah. All have of you the got one course. of the little boards? Have you got one of the food? I boards? have got one of the food boards. Yeah. So I could just do I could do one of those. The summer of love. The summer of love pedal board. <laughs> oh yeah, you've got it still boxed, haven't you? I have still got one boxed. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the but, dream. You, but you know, funny before we started this podcast. Uh, our friend Paul over at the Studio Rats just put out a video going, is this the best compact rig? And it is... Um, it's. I love that man. Uh, he is an amazing man. And he's an amazing guitar player as well. Such a great player. Yeah. Um, he's going guitar into IR2, right. out into a DI box, and then in the effects loop, he's running an HX1. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Like... That's, you know, I think that's, you know, and because I think the HX1 is stereo, although actually, no, maybe that wouldn't work. I haven't watched the whole video yet. I've just seen it. I was like, oh, that's a really good idea. Um, And I actually kind of like the idea of doing a, could you run an IR2 in the effects loop of an H9 or, you know, 
an HX stomp and and then effectively you've got effects pre and post. You know, you have like I said to my friend, like my friend's pedal board, it's a tone X, that's your amps, and then you've right. just got effects and an effect either side. Cause I'm sort of going, well, I can't have two this is the thing. Do I build a pedal board for one amp and a bit of fun there? Or do I build a stereo pedal board with an IR2 and run out into monitors? Because that's, an, you know, then you can keep the whole stereo thing then. Sure, sure. But yeah, I, I, I think so. I'm sort of leaning towards the sort of, yeah, tiny pedal board. And then uh, I think maybe, I don't know, I need to sort of dig through the box of stuff that I've got. But I definitely know uh-huh. we've got things like, you know, uh, the fake trees um, from Audio Kitchens, like not yeah. used that enough. Fake and then I've got trees. a great... Um, I mean, that is an insanely... I know. Good and then I've got a really good uh, sort of digital but analog style um, delay from Screddy Audio, which right. is like amazing. I think um, you've got our Reeves... Uh, electro black hat fuzz I do which is one of the best fuzz pedals you could possibly I do. buy it's one of those ones that's so good I don't actually want to step on it just in case <laughs> um, you know and then I've got things like okay well like, I've got a deluxe memory man but then I'm like unless that's in a switcher sort mm-hmm. of like my other electro my old big muff it's sort of like it will just break if you step on it <laughs> so right. then I'm going okay well maybe I wouldn't use that but then is it downsizing because it's massive. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I need to build a set of rules, yeah. you know, and then just kind of go, okay, what can you, I build within those yeah. rules? You've got our Poly Bebo as well. You could have something have. That, that does some fun stuff on that. I have. But then I'm thinking if I do that, I'm just going to go back to what I was doing before. Right. And I'm sort right. of going, okay, well, maybe I want something a little bit a little bit different, perhaps. I see. Okay. Um, what about what about? Well, you've always run a compact rig, haven't you, Joe? So yeah, my rig's actually right next to me right now because I was rewiring it all. Um, I need to cut one more cable. I've got I've got one of those Boss um, the uh, cut your patch cable to size kits somewhere. So I need to go and find that uh, after we finish podcasting, so I can finish my board for band practice tomorrow. Um, but at the moment, as always, I'm always running the MS3 as um, as the switcher, just because. The effects in there are so good. Like mm-hmm. I, I have actually retired my Boss OC2. Oh, Jack, um, what are you doing? I'm using the internal Octaver on the MS3 because it's pretty good. It's it's actually really not bad. Um, once you know, you know, you know how analog Octavers work. You know how you've mm. got to be careful around those notes. And I use it so occasionally. It's really a central part of my sound, but I use it so occasionally that it's a lot of space to take up. Um, so so yeah so I've I run that and actually I've retired my VB2W as well. So I'm running the vibrato from the internal sounds on the on the MS3 as well. And those are two pretty big tones for me. Pretty essentials. Yeah. Um to to be running off the MS3. So I just really like the pedal. I just really trust it for that sort of thing. And also the ring mod um is dealt with by the MS3, which is good. Um but I am uh, I am other than the TU3. I've got the Wazacraft TU3, the black, um, the black box. Um, other than that, I've got the Thorpe Effects Fat General. Great compressor. Does that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Does that squashy vintage thing really, really well? Um, and is the first pedal actually in ages to replace my Boss BCB One X, the X series bass compressor. They do a guitar version of it as well, dear listener, and it is well good because it's kind of multi-band 
But because the controls on the X series kind of listen to each other, you can make it do that squashy vintage thing, but you can also get a really transparent, really usable uh, compression as well. Um, and then I've got, um, I've got, I've gone back to the MXR Phase 90, the best right. modulation device in the world. Every now and again, I take, I took it off the board for ages and I was trying all these different things, putting all these other pedals on, being like, yes, yeah, something's going to replace it. Uh, you know, I got the camouflage and I, from Thorpe Effects and I was like, yeah, something's got to replace the Phase 90. I want something more exclusive, something cooler. Um, and actually, it just comes down to the face line. It's just perfect. There's just nothing I don't like about it. So it's silly for me to remove it from the board. So that's gone back on. Um, I'm actually, I occasionally use like a little bit of a, you know, that sort of Roger Waters Pink Floyd delay that he does on his bass, where he's almost like rhythmically playing. It's like, yeah, he's playing over the delay tails. It's like a root line, but he's just thickening it all up. It's almost like a gallop that he does with the, with the delay tones. Um, I've moved to the KMA machine Cirrus. I've got this shadow version of the Cirrus, uh, which is this, just a grayscaled version of that pedal just great right okay kind of way. um and i've got that because it has a they have a modulation setting on on the it's a delay reverb but i shut the reverb down i don't really like the reverb uh, but the delay on it is is fantastic i mean the reverb's very good it's just not for me it's like you know octave reverb or a low pass or high pass filler it's not mm-hmm. not not for me but the delay has a modulation setting but then you can set the sensitivity of that so as i dig in i can get my delay tails to modulate more and i really like having that control you know because a lot of pedals that do modulation on delay tails it's either here's some modulation on your delay tails or here's not some modulation on your delay tails so that's a it's a nice way to um to get that and then um sans amp vt at the end of the chain which is basically my amplifier um because then i just run an amp super clean and so the sans amp vt does all the work Mm. and then drives are being dealt with at the moment by the ashdown triple shot but i'm pretty sure that's going to get switched out for the earthquake devices blooms which is going to be very annoying because it's going to leave a space because the ashdown pedal is like a two sometimes i've I've avoided changing things because it would just leave a space and i'm like i'm not going to reset my whole pedal board just to uh for the the sake of one space (laughs) exactly exactly i think i'm out of power as well on my block on the underside so i really don't want an extra space because it would be difficult to fill uh, without Mm. changing the power supply and then um fuzz at the moment is being dealt with by the red beard um effects uh honey badger because Uh, it's such a good fuzz for bass because it's an octave down fuzz it means I can go really heavy on the fuzz and still keep my fundamentals. And normally, if you mm. want to do that as a bass player, dear listener, you need a fuzz pedal with a with a clean blend in there. Yes. Otherwise, you just get all thin. But having the octaves down mean I don't need the the clean blend at all because it's got so much subby presence. It's like putting on a uh, a DoD meat box and a fuzz at the same time. That's what that yeah. pedal feels like. I love it very, very much. But that said, I think that pedal is going to come off because I only have one space for a fuzz and I really want um, the um, Frederick effects, their Dresden synth fuzz. Have you seen mm. that, Matt? It's a oh, wedge chassis. It's got a clean blend. It's a super synth Oh, I think we talked about fuzz. it before. Yeah, I think we talked oh, about it before, didn't we? Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And I watched some videos recently of bass players using them and I was like, yes, this is cool. So I think that's probably uh, 
probably I'm going to purchase one when we go to the Birmingham Guitar Show next week. But we'll see. So it's not a lot, you know. That's pretty minimal, you know. One delay, one fuzz, one drive, one compressor, one modulation pedal, <laughs> one tuner. Yeah, exactly. You know, one this, one this, one this. Yeah. And then before well, you know it, you've got twenty pedals on your pedal board. Well, it's, it's um, you know, it's not too much stuff. Not too much stuff. One, two, three, four. four. Four, five, six. Six pedals if you exclude the tuner. That's I think that's pretty mm. reasonable. And all that's done on the Boss BCB one thousand X um ah, pedal board. Great um, pedal board. Yeah, yeah, it's which is fractionally wider. That's uh that's one I wish. Ah, uh, okay. I'll but, feed that back. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll make a special one, Joe. <laughs> yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks. Um yeah, I, th- I actually think it's a really good case because it comes you can put everything underneath and it comes with the little wheelie lids and everything like that which being I, able which to I wheel really that like. around is very very useful especially mm. for me just because i don't drive and i live half an hour away from uh the train station and i live in a village with no taxi service so mm. you know I, i've always got to walk it to you know and a, and a pedal board even an eight pedal you know sort of pedal board mm. a, a half hour walk that'll do your arms in so uh it's it's lovely yeah no i um i think i'm just going to go for the uh pedal train junior for yeah. now well, there you go. Uh, do that maybe see if I can go four pedals and see where we end up I, I mean Matt JD and I spoke about this or maybe no Philip and I spoke about this on a on a podcast recently I'm very into the Fender uh, pedal pedal boards at the moment you need to I check those out they they're Fender so affordable board. they're so affordable they're cheaper than everyone else they look great okay so they're a brushed aluminium and I think people are a bit love hate with that but I think they look cool plus you can get the fender power supplies which are very good and also undercutting everyone else uh price wise despite the you know a great power and the proper cables on the fender power supplies proper iec cables so um, actually the um the, the nice thing about the fender pedal board is it's got those clips underneath uh yeah. for your cables and a nice little um holder for your power supply which is quite nice exactly nice and they have little things cut into the amount into the aluminium um machined into the aluminium where the uh for you to loop all your cabling and stuff really handy it's the dream you know neat pedal board i have not seen those but oh yeah, Matt, welcome welcome to the professional pedal boards um it's just a shame that the way they've cut the holes and everything, you're still going to cover everything in Velcro. So <laughs> it's wow. uh, it's one of those things, isn't it? But yeah. um, actually, they come. They look like they come with a really nice case. The cable holders are a nice touch. And it's they do, like yeah, three sizes. Fifteen quid for the small board, something like that. And yeah, then it's not bad. You, and then if you wanted like their five pedal, you know their their smallest power supply, I think it's like a ninety nine quid. Right, and you could probably daisy chain a couple of pedals on there and get up to your six or seven. Annoyingly, I've just got too many pedal boards. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I have definitely got a pedal train junior knocking around somewhere. I'll have to go into the garage and find it. But I've definitely got one oh, really? knocking around somewhere. Yeah, do, I'm sure. Do, of it. The the other week, uh, me, me and my partner Emma, we've been clearing out all our clothes. Our wardrobes are packed. So we're clearing out all our clothes, putting them in bags, take them to the charity shop. And then we're like, oh, we've actually got a really busy week. So I decide to dump them up in the loft. Take those bags up to the loft. What do I find? A Pedal Train Pro, a Pedal Train Novo 32. And, uh, oh, I know and, the feeling. And a, and a Pedal Train Nano. I think it was a Nano or maybe a Metro 24. Like up in my attic. And I was like, wait, I bought a Pedal Train Metro 24 like... 
two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh dear, all going to be part of the purge. All going to be part oh, of the purge. Yeah, it's um, it's just one of those things, isn't it? Yeah. Got to keep on top of what you buy. <laughs> Need to write a gear list, otherwise. <laughs> You just end up in situations like this. Yeah, exactly. um, yeah, that is uh, that is painful, Joe. That is yeah. definitely painful. And but I know exactly how you feel because I have been there. <laughs> I've been there yeah. many, many times, so I know exactly what it's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, um, we we are coming towards the end of this week's podcast. In fact, so we've got some more stuff to talk about that we're going to go over onto the Patreon to talk about. We want to talk about, of course, Gibson have opened up their the Gibson Garage in London. We're going to be talking about that, and I guess that sort of leads into the this the whole Gibson Jimmy Page thing. It looks like Gibson are going to be doing some really interesting signature stuff. If the people who they use to launch the uh, the Gibson Garage London are anything to go by. Um, so that'd be interesting. We didn't mention sort of down amplifiers for downsizing, so maybe we'll talk about that a bit over on the um, on the Patreon episode as well. We'll see how that goes. Um, but before we go, I do want to thank all of our Patreon, our top tier Patreon supporters. Um, so, dear listener, if you're listening to this for the first time, um, you can join us over on patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. You can sign up to be a member. You get an extra podcast every week. You get our entire back catalogue of over 500 episodes and mini series of the Guitar Nerds podcast. There are three tiers a dollar, five dollars, and ten dollars. And I would like to thank very much every single one of our ten dollar tier patreon supporters so thank you very much to nicholas strom to rocket rob patterson phil sadler marcus deluxe suresh dorsonic pickups rob witherden anton fryant barry gresbick steve davis john conaway yogi the guitarist ty allen kyle harris sean hughes andy hoffler eric hemmer jeffrey wax dan pilver brian einsler dylan griffiths mark hazal kadawaki eric file peter pesche Chris Franklin, Andy Manley, Joe Puttick, Blake Wyland, Phil Radomski, Dave Lee, Ross Edwards, Jason Wharton, James Dore, Jake Gray, Derek Rich, Scott Kennedy, Steve Merkel, Abe Matthews, Christopher Loseth, Stephen Burke, Robin Smith, Kytopia the Band, JD Short, Andy McKenzie, Brad Page, Rob Nordvik, Scott O'Brien, and of course, Moog. Grab it. Thank you. Thank you, one and all. Whoop, folks. Whoop. Whoop. But yes, we are uh, so yeah. So that 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 concludes this episode of the Guitarnas podcast. Just before we go, dear listener, we're gonna talk about this more. Well, next week's gonna be the rundown of the of the guitar show. We'll talk about this more over the next coming weeks. But Barry Gresbit from Gres Guitars did get hold of me to let me know about the the Gres Bay 6 that has now been built. And he was like, what about if we do a deal for uh, for your listeners? You know, I'll do like a discount and then that can go out to your listeners and if anyone wants to buy it, they can buy it. And I was like, yes. Or you could give that discount to me. <laughs> so, so sorry everyone i've bought so. it i have bought the grez base six that's coming to me not to you it's going in to be painted next week in that gorgeous gloss black if you remember dear listener if you listened we designed a base six like 
six months ago, maybe longer. Yeah, probably, I think it's like a year ago. Uh, maybe a year ago, we did it with like a Charlie Christian in the neck, a mute kit. Oh, it's going to be amazing. So, uh, so I'm very excited about that. Can't see. wait yes. for Joe to send it to my house. <laughs> um, I will. I will let you borrow it. But um, nice. it's all part thank of the you. downsizing. All part of the downsizing. Oh, yes. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much, dear listener, for listening. We'll be back next week with more of this guitar nerdery. Farewell. Goodbye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.